Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Sanyin Podcast. Uh, today is our first edition of the Friends Chat Edition. With me, I'm blessed with four colleagues of mine, all the way from different regions across the planet. We are going to talk about a wide range of issues, and they'll introduce themselves. First, I'll go with... Um, greetings, everyone. I'm Matulino Saldotongangai from Samoa, currently studying undergraduate degree in um, international politics. And I'm 21 years old. Glad to be here. Oh, thank you. Uh, um, hi everyone, I'm Tima and I'm from Fiji. I'm currently a language student in CCNU and um, I'm 18 years old. Uh, greeting from Laos. I am Maji because this is my Chinese name. It's normally people always call me Maji. So I'm a Matulino, we have the same major and then I'm older than him for one year. <laughs> Hi everyone, uh, I'm Blandina Sotanyana from Lesotho, all the way from Africa. Uh, I studied special education. My final year, I'll be graduating. And then, uh, I won't be mentioning my, my age, but I'm pretty sure I'm older than everyone in here. That's, that's, no, that's a fact. I'm older than everyone of you in here. Okay. Okay. Nice to that's know that. Fact. Um, okay, so it's nice to have you guys here. We're going to talk on a wide range of issues. Um, first and foremost is uh, the country where we're in, China. I just want each of you to, to give your, your honest opinions about China. Uh, I'll start with Timo. Um, <clears throat> I've been living here for six years, and uh, my experience in China actually varies in different context but so far so good a lot's been happening and i've been learning throughout the years with my experience here so yeah okay uh, so i'll go with andrew for me i live here for five years this is my five like for beginning my five year and during the quarantine it's been tough but now it's okay i feel like china is a kind of maybe it's in the future, it's become my homeland also, because I got a Chinese girlfriend. So that's the that. <laughs> <laughs> yep. mm. I like China. I like everything about China. But because some people they said China have a lot of rules, you have. But if you can follow it, it's okay. Okay. And uh, um, yes, I I came here in China in twenty nineteen and. I was in Beijing for one year and then came here in Wuhan. It's been almost close to three years now. So I my you know, proud view of China is safety. So that's one of the things that I really admire about the country, the security. It's really um, can literally protect all of us. And even the convenience in terms of transportation and also in terms of shopping. So compare that back at home, I feel like um, China is probably one century ahead of us <laughs> or I would be saying maybe 20 years ahead of us because lots of the services that offered here in China were not offered at home but overall the security here in China is the one of the things that I really admire about this country and other you know other things that happening in China we're not going to say any political statement about that but yes the, I would say that in short China is a safe country okay mm. that's nice to know my view about China, to be honest, when I first came here, 
I was expecting a lot more just because of what I was told before leaving the country. Everybody else had like pictured China to me as this out of the world kind of place, something you don't expect to see. And then I come here and I find people still living better lives than we do economically, but then they're like everyday lives is way close to what we all witness back at home like for instance this building right behind us <laughs> the very same thing that you see here that is what they do in my country so it it's nothing different from what i've been seeing them do but then when it comes to things like shopping food services and the medical health and all of that they are way too advanced and those are some of the things you know when you go home, it's it, it's something you'd wish to pocket and say, I wish for us in the next 10 years, maybe, uh, to have reached maybe a quarter of what we see here. Yeah. Okay. Um. So do you think that the image you have about China is an effect of their propaganda and the way they use the media to portray themselves? Most definitely. Okay. Because what they show me on their media is not what actually is happening here. I'm going to give... An example, I went to Hangan last this summer. It's, it's it's a rural place that I don't usually see out in the media. What they do in the media is show me the city, but they seldom show me the rural lives of people. And had they like before shown me that we still have people who are still trying to get on with their lives like any normal person anywhere else. I wouldn't have felt so intimidated coming here. I would have known that it's home. Mm. Just like any other country where people in a city have a different life from people in the rural areas. I didn't know the rural areas were just like rural areas of my country. I didn't know I would find a school surrounded by trees just like that. Just that the school has computers. It, it has something my schools don't have in my country but the lives of the people when you look at them from a different perspective you'll see that it's still the same life you see everywhere else just that media will only show you big cities so that you get attracted okay um back to you Tima. um what was your first impression when you came to china um <clears throat> okay from i'm from the islands so not everything is developed like it's slowly developing but it's not as developed yet and before moving to china i've heard all these stereotypes saying that china is very dirty people are very racist whatnot well racism does exist everywhere so i was i let it slide i was like it's okay i can manage with racism and uh when i came to china my first impression was just like wow like the airport was big, infrastructure was like way developed and after years, even after months of living here, the people they were like different from what the media portrayed. They were actually like, you know, more respectful and I'd say they were like most of them they follow like godly principles and uh, it was just very attractive to like see and witness and also having to witness the um, security defense was 
very you know fascinating and um more and the economic yeah those were like all the factors that which is like grounded with my wow fascination of this country um i'm going to ask uh andrew this question um you've been in wuhan i think for five years yes um uh wuhan currently right now has and is a name with a lot of mixed emotions if you know because of the pandemic mm-hmm. you know some say it's good some say it's bad some blame it for a lot some others don't blame it others say it's a nice place for foreigners and all that um so you have stayed there for five years what's your general perspective of Wuhan? before we go in there like i have i realized in china maybe for me for my own opinion i found that in Wuhan they they have the what you call they call the high society and low society mm. what are we living now is because we are students we just know about that like one phase of that problem mm. we didn't know the other side so when we when people say that the pandemic people some people the mental health is good is strong enough so they can stand with the pandemic but some people they trying to suicide because they cannot accept the pandemic mm-hmm. is tough for them so yeah but for me is 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 still okay because by that time i still have my countrymen and we yeah. stay together so it's it's still okay and when i'm going out of the school of the school i found that people like they come to wuhan it's not wuhan it's not wuhan they are living here is outside of Wuhan, like they come from the other city, yeah, province, and then they come here to work for treat their family, high that And then they said, we, they, they admire us, like we are so lucky to be to become a student in China, because most of them they going for work and they cannot study, like they cannot go to the university because they have they call cow cow. It's so hard for them to fight for that one some people they 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 don't want to study because that one is so hard to pass so they just go for work but i asked them some of them they said they they want to study but because this one is hard for them so they don't want to study anymore okay uh, that's, uh, that's a nice insight uh tino i want to ask you uh so you were here during the height of the pandemic and uh and now that the situation is quite okay, mm-hmm. I just want to ask you. Try when we're trying to look at how the pandemic has been handled in China and other parts of the world. Um, do you think that, on a broader scale, it's a success story for China? Um, I would not say um it's a full successful story because, actually, uh, I came here when the I came here in Wuhan when the virus is going down. So because Wuhan is the epicenter of the COVID-19, um, the country has literally, even the government as well, has literally given its full support to make sure that Wuhan is already out of the, out of the, of the virus. But yes, we are now um, looking at the case here in Wuhan. We are still go like, not really, but it's way more better than before during the COVID-19. But 
compared to other provinces of China, um, stories of Shanghai and Beijing and other provinces as well was not really the epicenter of the of the of, of the virus. I think that the government is not really successful in that area. But um, when people are asking me, you know, Wuhan, you know, is is where the virus is. I always tell them, um, I feel like Wuhan is the first city who is free of the pandemic when everything goes slowly normal uh, back to normal. It is because the government is literally um, putting its all efforts and calling every volunteers around the whole country to come and help this city because this is where the international media are getting attention. They literally came here to look for a story, look mm -hmm. for the lives of people. So the country is also, you know, they also have a pride. So to in order for them to protect them, you know, when people are talking about Wuhan later on, mm -hmm. they say, oh, Wuhan is now free. That's why when you see maybe I mean, 2020 um, April, I would be say April or May, there was this, um, the, the CC hosts a kind of like um, a swimming park for all, for everyone for all, for everyone who come and then these photos was been posted on, on on social media and you saw that crowded pool and crowded places of here in Wuhan so it's an image that the, the that China also trying to tell them that Wuhan where the epicenter is it's already okay but it's not in fully okay you know fully recovered I would say like eighty percent because until now we are still. Uh, you know, sometimes lockdown, but it's not really more difficult than before because, you know, Andrew and um, Blandina were here in that time, story, you know, explain me stories and tell me stories of how difficult it is just staying in the room, you know, for three to four months or whatsoever. So, it, you know, when I was in Beijing at that time, we are actually allowed to go and walk around the campus. But for a student to stay in the room, with that long or stay in one building, it's a different story. I also have the privilege to visit um, the exposition um, that the government hosts. It's a place that every story of the pandemic happened here in Wuhan is been, you know, um, telling to the people. It's the exposition. And I feel like um, when I go there, those stories of Wuhan can literally connect it to me because I, I didn't have the chance to witness what it looked like. Yeah. I just only saw it in videos or news. But when I stand there, I can feel like, you know, I am here and like I'm at, you know, at, the, at the right moment of that. So um, with that question, I would say that I'm not really fully recovered, but the government is trying its best to connect it. But yes, as far as Wuhan is concerned by the international media and the the international community i think wuhan is safe but other cities that are not really known by the by everyone um are still in critical conditions um i think when we talk about china many of the people outside of china will only look at beijing and shanghai yeah. they, that's the only you know that's the only cities that they are looking at but now Wuhan is another one, so that's that's it. That's their limits of understanding of China. But they didn't know other cities like Tianjin, um, you know, Sanya, Qingdao, or what whatsoever. So those are the cities that um, I say that the governments are also trying their best to protect it. But it's not really you know known by the international community. Okay, um, since we are all students here in China, I just want to ask, um, what are your views on? international education or on in China. Start with Panda. Oh, international <laughs> education. Okay, for I'm I'm gonna try and classify this 
based on what I know from my department. I don't know other departments, but from what I know from my department, if you're a bachelor student, you're going to go through a lot with no support whatsoever from the department. What happens in our department is they give you courses that are done with you. They'll see you again in the beginning of the next academic semester. That's it. That's like all they do. How you get to do certain things, you go ask the office, they'll be like, oh, we'll get better and they never do. You can spend the whole month asking for a simple task, something that needs this particular person to just click, 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 and then give you the answer, yes or no. But you'll be in their office every day. And then you come to class, which is the fun part. There are teachers who understand that we are international students, we learn this language for just a year, and then should you pass, you proceed into your major. With the level of understanding we have of Chinese, when you get into your major, you're still going to have to like, it's like day one all over again, you trying to learn the whole new vocabulary now that is used in, in your major. The teachers will understand this because they also have been abroad and they learned English while having to study. So they know the struggles, they understand that. And then that those who have never left the country. They have their PhDs, everything was studied in one language. When we tell them, I do not understand this, not that I don't understand the content, because when I go back to my room, read the content in a language I understand, I surely be able to answer your questions. But you ask me a question in Chinese, of something you just said, I still didn't fully understand what you said. I'm trying to like figure out bits and pieces of the whole lesson. And then you come and ask me my view about this. You're like, I didn't even hear the last five sentences you were saying because I was still stuck at the first sentence and I'm trying to connect this. But then, and then in our department, masters and PhD students take the same classes that I'm taking. The same content they take, as the same content I do, just that I do it in Chinese. So it tells you that when it comes to them being taught in English, they're actually not here to be taught anything. They're actually here to do the thesis. That's it. Master your thesis, yeah, well, get some grades. Because if I had an assignment, my brother was here, and graduated last year, he was here. Some of the classes I'll be like, what classes are you taking this semester? Be like education, history, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, ah, okay. I have an assignment for that one. Give me the assignment. He gives me the assignment. I just edit and then translate it into Chinese. And then I get an A. You see, sometimes it's like, yeah, you did this course last semester. Give me the assignment because I don't understand anything I'm doing. So international education here is a struggle. But it's an advantage for some of us who want to go home and not some of us, almost all of us, because we're still going to have to go home mm. and apply what we learned here. Although we're struggling, mm. there are a few benefits we're getting in this whole education. We're taking what is good and just letting go of what is not working for us. Uh, I'll come to Andrew. Uh, do you think um, while you're studying here, you've got enough skills to go back to Laos to change? No. Why not? First thing is, language is barrier. As Blandina said, I support her that one year for Chinese is not enough to take the major class. 
even Chinese students, they cannot understand all of the content, what the teacher said. Like most of them, they understand, but some of them, they don't understand also. I found out with my Chinese friend, asked them, sometimes they say, oh, I don't understand also. So maybe you can go just go through the teacher and then ask him by yourself. And the point is because the language barrier is make us been hard to study. Because if your Chinese is not good enough, you cannot like even one word or even one sentence, you cannot definitely understand what is uh, the teacher said like in the class. So the the one thing we can do is improve our Chinese and looking for the document or ask the teacher to help us about the document and read in the language which is we understand by ourselves is the best way that we can do here. And sometimes the teacher they still ignore about us. Like when we go to class, even we don't come to the class, sometimes they say, oh, it's nothing, it's no problem. <laughs> okay. But the thing is, you have to finish the thesis yeah. on time. Okay. But, but, I will not say, but I will not say all of the teachers, they, they're going to be ignored us. Like some of, some of them. I'll come to Lino. Um, do you think China was ready for international education? Um, I'm not, like I said, like it's, China is not ready for international um, students to come here and studies because uh, it's reached to a point that you know they also have expectation of international students when they come here in China because China is really admiring their, their language and they are expecting every international students who enter in this country to have a not only basic but a level of a Chinese that can communicate with uh, the Chinese. I have to say that when I first arrived in Shanghai because that's our point of entry in this country after the first desk that we check our, our staffs, the people behind the, that desk, uh, they are speaking Chinese all over. So the Chinese people as well, together with the, you know, the, I think the Ministry of Education, have that expectation of international students that when you come to China, you must understand some level of Chinese. And even though that they offer one year of Chinese language where we all experience, that one year of Chinese language is not easy. All of us here are sitting here as well. English is not our, our native language. We also learn English um, from the very young age, um, going to kindergarten, primary school, and high school, and whatsoever. But until now, we are still continuing on learning the English language as well. So I have that expectation. I think that um, the expectation from students is very different from the expectation from the teachers as well. Because the teachers were saying, like, you are staying in a country where people are dominantly speaking in Chinese. So for you to just sit here in China for one year, you can easily understand the Chinese language, but that's not easy, you know, it's not easy. So I always say they're not ready to, to receive it. But the Chinese, one of the thing is the Chinese teachers, they can read and they can write in English. But the problem is, is the oral um, speaking English is really difficult. Even if they do, you know, they say that they understand speaking Chinese, but it's a Chinese accent where you actually sit, you know, have to sit and listen carefully for them uh, so that you can understand. But um, I feel like uh, if the government or maybe the Ministry of Education have been open to international students, maybe that should not be the limit as well. It should be open to international teachers as well to come here and toward um, courses. Like for example, our course here, International Politics, it is a course that should be needed to taught 
in English because we have to talk about you know the things happen in the international level but then we are still taught in Chinese so we have a disadvantage in that area because at the same time we are students but we are also um, you know self-teach ourselves we have to translate these things and for in, in order for us to understand we have to double our efforts so we have lots of work to do and also we ourselves will not be depending on the teacher because the teacher was just just delivered you know just delivered in Chinese and then they're expecting you to understand so if you come here you're just sitting I'm lazy and do nothing then you will also receive nothing but if you double your ethics and try to go hard then it will be also successful as you come but according to the question if the Chinese government are ready to receive international students I don't see that it's ready. Maybe they thought that the international students will come, that they come with perfect in uh, Chinese, but you know they noticed that that's the problem. One year to learn Chinese language is not, um, it's not enough. Mm. Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, I'll come to Dima for this question. Um, why do you think over the past um, twenty years China is becoming uh, one of the popular destinations for students? to come and study, despite the challenges that uh, the colleagues have said? Um, yeah, the question. I think, personally, I think that students prefer, I would love to try an experience with studying in China because, you know, China is quite well known for the things that they can offer. And also, people, most, like majority of the people that are living outside of China, <clears throat> they find the language fascinating. So they think coming to China and having to learn the language is probably like a golden opportunity for them. And let alone coming here for studies. Uh, China is like taking the lead, like what Lino mentioned earlier, like China is taking the lead, like 20 years ahead of us, like in development wise. So why not, you know, take the risk and go learn in that country where everything is completely different from the outside world in the sense like it's different from the US and all the big countries um, you know Britain, Australia etc. Okay uh, so moving away from the China 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 issue <laughs> um, uh, okay um, the biggest news I think this week has been uh, the Queen's passing and um, you know, ironically, four of us come from Commonwealth countries, except my brother here from Laos. So we have an aspect of British history. Um, so I just want to ask, um, what are your views on the British monarchy? I'll ask you. I'll start with them. What are your views on the British monarchy? I'm going to be honest. I'm from a country that is still a monarchy, even today. Yeah. It sucks everywhere. So, what they're doing there is what they taught my kid to do. So, because he's failing, it means the teacher is also failing there. Yeah, I've told myself, mm, I'm done with the royals. Whatever they do, they do. What they don't do, they don't do. So, I know nothing about those people, to be honest. They're there, oh, because they, they're practically not doing anything for me. I don't see the benefits there. And it's one of those things I I greatly ignore, and I'm going to be honest, I blindly ignore them, like, you, I hear people talking about the queen, I'm like, oh, okay, and I'm done. I won't even say I know anything, mm-mm. 
Uh-huh. I ignore it. I ignore the topic because it's not a very good one when it comes to what has happened, you know, in, in my country and what is still happening today. So yeah. I was like, there, we're here, good. That's it. Okay. Uh, Lino? Um, I think my view of the British monarch, you know, when, whenever I heard of kings and queens, we seems like we're going back to the 15th century, the 16th century, but we are already in the 21st century. Well, you know, in my own personal view, I like, you know, it's time to, we, we are already, like most of the countries are now sovereign states, you know, and republic. So it's time to let the people uh, alone leave the country and, you know, be, be a forefront, you know, and like when it comes to kings and queens, you know, we have some, so like there are some stories connected to them yeah. that you don't want to to know more about them. But I think uh, you know I am just like you know I really admiring their the golden you know the golden stuff that they have been their their possession and all those things that they are doing. But um, other than that, I was like, this time you know we are living in the twenty first century. Maybe in the twenty fifth century. Um, robots would be exist in that time. <laughs> so we are, like, I feel like you know we are in a century we don't really need that um, monarch anymore. But I do, you know, I'm saying, you know, I respect that that's the king or queen of someone's um, country. But you know, it's just ahead of Commonwealth mm. to some of us in our view. That's it. Yeah, <laughs> but ironically, mm. she's the, okay. The king right now mm. is the head of state of yes. your country. Mm. So oh no 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 um to to clarify we are not we are part of the commonwealth but yeah. we are not the commonwealth oh, round oh, okay, so yeah, we have yeah. our own head of state uh, <laughs> and we have our own head of states but um we just let her uh, uh, which is now King Charles we just let him to be the head of commonwealth and yeah. that's it <laughs> um other than King Charles uh, well, we we're not really worried about that that is the other I think twelve to fifteen um countries yeah, yeah. who are the head of states of. Uh, Oh, the monarch is the head of state. Of, mm. So do you think it's relevant for the king in London to be the head of state of a country far away? Um, it's not really relevant in a way because, you know, this king was li- di- living in a different country and to be a head of, you know, a different country, is, it seems like you are living in a country that you are not experienced of, but you have the last thing in, in, in most of the stuff. So, you, you know, they will come and they will say when they take the oath, mm. they take the oath to respect and follow the um, regulation or whatsoever to, to take the oath to the queen mm. you know because the queen is already passed away but now they are going to take the oath of the king you know Covenant Channel is also a representative of the queen um, to these countries but I don't like I don't see it as a relevance anymore because we have prime minister we have uh, presidents in some of those countries so it's time to let their countries you know let people who are staying in that country rule their own country instead of someone who is far away and one of the bad thing which is a dark thing was when we think of kings and queens especially when it comes to the British monarch we think of the story of colonial colonialization you know colonialism it's still you know they say you are you're already independent country you're already a sovereign country but you know this is part this is our part you know this is belongs to us so it seems like you are they are letting you go but at the same time wherever you are when I call you, you just you should come. So <laughs> I think um, with connecting to it's bring that story to some other parts of the world, especially the Caribbean, um, the Africans, and some parts of Asia as well. When they think of the monarchy, maybe not Queen Elizabeth herself, but her mm-hmm. and sisters 
who have been done lots of damage to this country. So I think connecting them to neglecting uh, them as the head of states is always um, that um, anchor in people because these are the same, these are the children of the ancestor, these are the children of the oppressor who have been colonized them for quite a long of years, you know. Okay. Yeah. Uh, then, Tima, um, how do the people in Fiji view the British monarchy? <clears throat> um, I really cannot speak on behalf of everyone. But we view it differently in the sense that there's majority of people don't support it and others do support it. But mostly I'd say that just like what Udina said, that um, we don't really like support the influence that it has in other countries, especially when we used to be colonized by Britain. So Okay, to Andrew, you know, I believe Laos did have leaders before, before yeah. the French came in. Yeah, uh, American and French. Yeah, before the French into China colonialism yeah. part. So, do you feel, when you look back two centuries ago and you look now, do you think colonialism, I mean, the monarchist type of system was better? No. Why? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's not going to be better. Going to For be better. now, the sovereign country is more yeah, better. It's more better. Mm-hmm. We lead our country, we lead ourselves. Like, as Lino said, who experienced their homeland? Mm-hmm. Who is the one leader their homeland? Yeah. Okay. Like to grow up the country, kind of that. But if you let people like not never experience your country, come and lead your country. Doesn't work. Yeah. Oh, okay. Leaving the issue of the monarchy. It's just okay one topic uh, before we conclude that I want to share. Um, climate change. You know, we come from parts of the world that are having the, are suffering the most, but don't pollute the most. And we're in a country that pollutes the most. <laughs> yeah, right. So, um, and there are also some people who think climate change is a hoax. They don't believe it. Um, so what are your views about climate change and what are, and do you think that for countries like Europe to, to say that we are going to a green future and yet developing countries are starting to exploit their resources and they're like, no, stop, because it will lead to climate change. Do you think that's fair? I'll start with Lino. <laughs> well, um, yes, climate change, um. It's a really serious issue and we should not look lightly about it because we come from the South. So, and um, there we, we've been suffering a lot, you know. Here in this part of the, the world that we are staying now, we're enjoying um, the snow. But you know, this snow has been melting and melting over the years and then it's flowed down to the South and led to other countries sinking, you know. And now there are some islands in the Pacific as well because they are sinking. So climate change is a really big issue. And I, and I feel like, you know, summer this year, I've been following the news. It's all over, not only in Europe, but also here in China. It's been recorded as one of the hottest um, summer ever. So if people are not really, uh, you know, be serious about this issue, they should think of, of ways to how to let the, the clean environment and all those things but now you are saying, um, you know, countries, developing countries are now starting to develop. You know, starting to de- develop in a way that 
will not look for more infrastructure. Because compared to Samoan, you know, Samoan is a very small island, uh, small island country. It's just 200,000 people of its population. So if, if we have more of those uh, infrastructure in our country, then we will cease not to exist because yeah. it's led to pollution, it's led to occupying lots of space, it's led to um, urbanization. More of the population would be gathered in specific area. And then there will be lots of damage too because all these infrastructure will lead to the sea. And then we see where we get the resources from, you know. And also deforestation is one of the problems if this infrastructure will come in. So I do believe that, um, you know, every country uh, wants to be improved, but improve in a way um, I'm not really sure, <laughs> no, you know, what would be the perfect, but at least, you know, every country's leaders should be aware that it's a serious issue, climate change, and they understand. So one of my friends was talking about this, and then they say, it's not, you know, climate change is not really a serious issue. So they come to the Pacific, <laughs> come to the Pacific, and you have to see what it's really mean by the, uh, you know, the climate change. We as the Pacific are the advocates of uh, the climate change because the issue of climate change is not really taken, um, you know, more serious by the big powers, or the big yeah. countries here in the world. But we as the Pacific, we can't even, you know, Samoa alone will not be only the country who comes say, and you know, climate change is this, and then it will, everyone will follow. So I believe with the Pacific Island comes together, you know, we will, that's our peak, that's how the world will recognize our voice. If we like, you know, from yeah. Fiji, from Samoa, from Papua New Guinea, will come together in one spirit and say, you know, we have to stand up and let the world know that climate change, we are suffer a lot with climate change. So we have to inform them about this. But you know, you can still see China is still adding more infrastructure and more areas. But they are not only doing that, but they're also if you will see their their roads. You know, they planting trees in, in the middle of the road. They are so they're also doing some sort of stuff to help. But when I was in Beijing, you know, the mask is just recently because of the COVID. But once I enter in Beijing we're wearing masks all over the time, so because of the pollution. So the pollution here is Wuhan is not really um, you know, visible but in China or in Beijing that's you know, it's a big of a problem. So if countries if big countries will ignore this and say it's not really a, a serious issue, then I feel like we will have more and more problems coming in the future. Um, okay, I'll go to Valinda. What's your view on climate change, your perspective? My perspective on climate change? Well, I don't know much, to be honest, about climate change. I just know the Arctic's are melting, the polar bears are dying, we are getting extreme heat. We different. We are experiencing different seasons. Like in my country, we all knew from June, no, from May to July, it snowed heavily. Like that was us. But now, even in September, it snows. You're like, huh? So when am I going to start wearing short shorts? You know, we we want short shorts. And then I think it's last year. It's not in November. In November, November it's summer in my country. Mm. Imagine, but there was a part of the country that people were freezing because it had to snow. And I'm like, oh, okay, this climate change thing is really serious. It's something like I really have to like look into as a person because I've mm. been hearing news or climate change. I'm like, okay, sunscreen. Mm, already been doing that. 
shade oh okay i stay indoors i didn't like even be, i think even now i still don't dwell much on it but i know it's affecting those countries that are actually not even the ones polluting because we don't have those big infrastructures to pollute the the climate with to begin with but we are the ones experiencing it at the worst than people who are actually doing all of the damage to the ozone layer so, yeah so come to andrew so how do you think we can tackle it on a universal level climate i just know about like for to to universal is it's so hard to explain about one and for me i'm not very good at it also <laughs> but i feel like like people we have to realize this one is is very serious issue like we everyone i i, I think for myself everyone can start from like separate uh, the the trust like what what are you going to throw what are you going to do like the small thing we can start from ourselves and the other side is the the government they have to be serious with this one also it's not only like do the meeting and nothing happened mm -hmm. just a little thing happened and some like some country they already start but some country they still uh, they that let them go first and we'll see what can go on. i don't know how to show this one also and i don't know how to <laughs> explain that <laughs> okay um so we have come at the end uh there's just one last segment um each of us is going to say something about their country something that you just want to share about your country uh, so i'll start with timo tell me more about fiji anything about fiji yeah anything <laughs> um it's an island it's in the south pacific and uh what's something about fiji there's but i'd say that it's trying its best to be a good country <laughs> Lino, well, um, you know, whenever I, I heard of uh, someone asking me this question, what tell me about your country? You know, <laughs> essentially, you're trying to convince them to come to my country. <laughs> um, yes, um, Samoa is a very beautiful country. Um, I, I always tell people that uh, if you want to visit Samoa, there are lots of uh, natural resources, uh, like the the beautiful of the natural, you know. Yeah of the green environment is there in the Pacific and even in Samoa. So we have lots of um, lacoons, um, high mountains, um, all those area islands as well you need to explore. And even the, the people itself are very hospital, you know, hospitality people with a loving smile and just come. Um, you know, Samoa um, people also can speak English very well. So they, no matter where you, you go in the country, you can literally say hello and everyone are understanding. Um, but there are some issues that still, so that's why when you come to Samoa, don't really, you know, let your expectation oversee you, but, you know, just come for low expectation. But Samoa is a very beautiful country. Um, and now we are still trying our best to lead, uh, you know, to be more better than who we are as yesterday. So to be more better for the future generation of tomorrow and also for us who are living in the country to have more uh let everyone know us because coming here in china is a the peak of a humiliation in a way that when someone asks you where where you come from and then he responds and that person say i don't know your country <laughs> when, when that conversation you know it's, it's literally even though that 
it's just a simple answer, but it literally hits you. Like, uh, you know, even though that we are not really recognized, uh, you know, well known by everyone, but we're still trying our best to tell everyone, you know, how beautiful the Pacific is and how beautiful Samoa is as well. Um, I don't know if I have another chance coming back, but I just want to say clarification that, you know, whatever I say, <laughs> um, you know, uh, the friendship, but like, the friend, yeah, podcast, yeah, the friend edition, um, this is from my own point of view, you yeah. know, it's from my own understanding of the issue that happened here. I'm not, I'm a Samoan students, uh, international students here in CCNU. I am not representing the view of a Samoan students in CCNU or the Samoan students in China. This is my view alone. So in case that our viewers will say, oh, these are the Samoan yeah. thinking, this is how Samoan thinking of the issue, what happened in the world. No, no, this is just Matsulino's view alone. <laughs> so in a way that, um, you know, I, I have to put that out there so our viewers and our listeners also know that me, this is my own personal view alone. And I'm not here on the behalf of anyone or even my family as well. It's just me, me alone. And yeah, so that's what about um other than that, thank you for this uh, platform that given to us to just to talk as friendly we are and to share our views and understanding of the issue happening in the world today. Thank you. Okay. Andrew. Okay. So just just I I would say my country, Laos, is normally people they don't know about Laos. They will know Vietnam, Cambodia, Thailand, <laughs> but they don't know Laos. Laos is the middle of them. Mm-hmm. And I would say that Laos is, is, a, is a quite pretty and beautiful country. Like we, 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 like we, the way we say hello mm-hmm. is, is, can be like, I'm good, you good, mm-hmm. because we just say sabadi. Sabadi is, is hello, and you can say I'm good, you good. And normally we, we, we love to like uh, I always say that no like we don't we in our country we never see like African people come to our country and I would love to invite you guys to visit my country and be the first generation of African African <laughs> our country because they, they, they will they will like they will shock if they saw you guys they will be very shocked because oh my god like they will go like oh why you guys like they will have a lot of questions about you guys. Mm-hmm. Even me, I come from I come from Laos and it's like my first day I come to China, I saw African people and also shock also because <laughs> oh my god, this is the the way we saw in like in the television, you know, the the media is so different. The way they represent African people and the way we the way I know them yeah, is so different. And Laos is a is a small country and for now, we have the the convenient transportation support by China, mm. and we have train even in small country, but it's still convenient to travel. Mm. The 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 good thing in our country is the nature, like mm. we have the water for a lot of stuff like that, and the culture, the culture mm. is will be interesting to you guys. Okay, yeah. we shall come. Mm. Okay, Valinda, you're concluding the show. Ooh. This is an honor. It's an honor. Uh, okay. uh, talking about my country. I hope I can sum up that in less than 10 lines. Because when it comes to my country, I usually oversell that country. I love my country. I think anybody who knows me know that know this. I love my country more than anything else. 
Lesotho, a mountainous country. It's a landlocked. People, we don't have oceans. If I want to see an ocean, I visit somebody else's country. So please, no more questions about oceans. We do not have oceans. Sadly, we are overshadowed by South Africa, which is like the whole other country outside my whole country. So because of this, most people don't know my country. Like Nino said, it's, it's, it's a sad thing somebody asks you where are you from and then you tell them and they're like, nah, I've never heard of that country. It's, it, it pains me a lot because I'm here trying to sell my flag and, and people are like, nah, why can't you just say you're South African? I am not South African. I am proudly a Mosoto woman. Mm. And people should understand this. We are proud of who we are mm -hmm. as Basotho people. Like, that is the one thing I know. Like, this one, I'll be talking for the, over the whole country. We are proud people mm. of who we are. We've got beautiful, a beautiful, beautiful country. The only country, I think, yeah, the only country with the highest boiling point. Mm -hmm. A thousand meters above sea level. See, this is what I'm telling you people. I oversell my country, but I oversell it with faith. Mm -hmm. We have like the highest peaks ever in in the south. Uh, what else would you like? Oh, yeah, British people kind of ruined our tradition. Now we don't <laughs> kind of know who we are, but we're still proud, you know? Like, we lost many of our traditions, but we are just proud to be us. Mm. As people who are lost, trying to like figure out who we are, but we are proud of that. <laughs> like, I'm being honest, we are proud that we are Basotho, but if you go ask the younger generation from us, they literally know, I think, about 5% of our culture. It's only now that we're like, your people, it's time we go back and try and learn who we are because these people are overshadowing us in almost everything. And then my country is beautiful, guys. If you want to visit, I promise I'll be the host. I promise my, my family will be mad that I'm hosting a lot of people. But don't worry, they're good people. They take care of you. Just bring a lot of mula because there are many places to, to visit. We've got Afriski, everybody goes there, like it's an international resort. During winter vacation, we have a lot of people coming up. And then we have the waterfalls, the longest waterfall, Maldunia. Yeah, yes, it's Maldunia. During summer, we usually hold, they will usually host a bright fest and then on top of the mountain. So it's also an international event so <laughs> this is what i'm telling you if you want to come to my country just come i'll tell you when to come when like there's a lot to see so. that's what we out here doing it for the country i love you guys bye bye mm. okay that marks the end of our podcast uh, thank you for coming bye <laughs>